0: To get started, visit plushcare.com weight That's plushcare.com weight Hi, everybody, and
1: welcome to Vicky Patterson The Secret 2. Babe. Sorry <laughs> <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to Vicky Patterson The Secret 2. In this week's episode, we are gonna be looking at the secret to saying no, or at least the secret to learning to say no. Which I'm sure for loads of you out there it must sound ridiculous, but the other half of people must be thinking, yes, thank you, Jesus Christ, I need to learn how to do this. And It could be anything. It could be learning to say no to a drink when you're offered. Or it could be learning to say no to that extra sausage roll. Or it could be learning to say no to doing something that you don't really want to do. But because you are an agonisingly nice people pleaser, you feel obligated to say yes to. So, having said that, we've got my gorgeous friend Pete Wicks on. And he'll be talking to us about his experiences of learning to say no but before we get into all of that I thought I'd talk to you a little bit about what I've been doing this week I mean, anyone who follows us on Instagram, and I'm assuming you do if you're listening to me podcast, probably knows because I'm a notorious oversharer, but I've had quite a nice week actually. Um, It got brought to my attention by some not so nice people on Instagram, you know who you are, Sharon, (laughs) that um, I'm a bit of a end. Her words, not mine, again, thank you Sharon. Um, I've always considered it sort of a responsibility of men as someone with a big social media following, especially at times like like these which are quite uncertain quite scary and i'd imagine even more so for someone with a brand new business um to use my platform to promote these people and honestly i've got time for anyone who has got drive ambition hustle jesus christ i couldn't help, couldn't help what I couldn't help there's only so far looking like that's gonna get you oh, fucking get out so that's me fella who i mean obviously what well, everyone knows i'm recording my podcast at home um i've not got a fancy studio a 16 room mansion i'm living in a two-bedroom department in brentwood and can has got hair fever so there he is say hello to everybody then hello everyone don't act shy now you nasal fuck anyway right what was i saying so yeah anyone with hush, hush- anyone with hustle ambition drive I just, I've got time for those people. They are trying to make their lives better. They are trying to better their situation for their family. And it's the least I can do to support them on my social media channels. Instagram, Twitter, whatever it may be. Um, But, I mean, let's have it right. This is not an incredibly selfless act I'm doing. I am receiving wonderful things for free sometimes in exchange to promote these things. So... It kind of came to my attention and realisation that I'm the last person in the world who should be getting anything for free. <laughs> I am. I am quite frankly the last person and I felt a bit guilty. I started to feel like, I don't know, just a bit ashamed of myself and the way I conducted myself on social media. I'm not trying to brag about the things I get. That, that's not me at all. But I can understand somehow, sometimes it might have come across like that. So I just wanted to say I was sorry. Um, And by way of apology, I'm running a very special giveaway with some of my favourite little brands and developing companies and giving some people who are truly deserving of all of the wonderful free things I get the chance to win some of them. (laughs) So I haven't um, picked the winner yet, but I will be soon. And if you do know a stressed out mammy or a brave NHS nurse or a key worker um, who deserves a little bit of a pick me up, then please head to my Instagram Enter the competition, follow the brands, and uh, yeah, you could be receiving a very nice gift. Or whoever you nominate, will be. <laughs> um, anyway, enough of that. Sharon has had enough airtime. <laughs> what else have I done this week? I've also done my bathroom, um, which was lovely. Uh, I did a couple of fitness videos with can. I've done some nice cooking. It's ultimately been quite a nice week for me. Um, but I think what inspired this week's episode, Learning to Say No, Was that I've been roped into doing so much shite. (laughs) And like, can anyone else relate? Normally in everyday life, when you've got your job and your family and your social life and you're juggling all these balls in the air, you have so many valid excuses to say no to things you don't really want to do. Uh, You've got your job, you've got your family, you've got your friends, you've got your active social life, your hobbies. All of these balls that you're trying to keep in the air and when you can't make something you can't go and see a friend or you you can't commit to something people understand because you have legitimate reasons why but what lockdown has done has has taken away all of those excuses we have no more reasons not to do anything so i've been roped into everything you name it i've fucking done it this week online workouts with people check zoom calls with mates check other people's podcasts, check. Live cookalongs, fucking check. I've done it. I've done them all because I am one of those annoying people pleasers I mentioned earlier. And I just don't know how to say no. So that brings me on to this week's episode. Vicky Patterson, The Secret To Learning To Say No. And I would just like to welcome my wonderful friend, Pete Wicks. I do feel like 67% of your appeal is how you look.
0: Not right now, it's not.
1: (laughs) I still like this look. You have such a small head when all of that hair isn't around it.
0: (laughs) It This feels like when Sky go to the weatherman and they just stood there.
1: (laughs) Hello, Peter.
0: Hello, my little love. How are you?
1: (laughs) I'm all right. Thank you, Petal. How are you?
0: You didn't tell me it was the secret to saying no, I'm not very good at that. (laughs)
1: I think that's why I want you on. Oh,
0: I see, I see. Just to mug me off. Love that. Thanks.
1: (laughs) No, but obviously it's something like you've experienced and struggled with in the past. So I thought, who better to talk about it than Pete?
0: What exactly are we saying no to?
1: Well, that's the question, hon. I mean, you said yes to doing my podcast, which obviously means you've got some time on your hands. So we're not going to talk about it straight away. Let's talk about other things. Let's have a catch
0: up. Come on then, let's have a catch up. What's been happening?
1: Well, how have you been? Because you're on your own with your puppies and I'm worried.
0: You're wor- what, what, worried about the dogs?
1: Are <laughs> <laughs> they okay, Pete, basically? Show me the dogs.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure they're alive. Uh, one of them definitely is because I can see them moving. The other one I'm not entirely sure if is. No, they're good as gold. Do you know what? They've kept me sane uh, throughout, yeah. throughout the whole lockdown thing because I am on my own. Go, you're supposed to go, ah. Oh. Ah. Uh, oh, don't give me that uh, shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's been um, it's been a lonely couple of months, but the dogs have kept me sane. although I think they're fed up of me. <laughs>
1: they're like, when's he come back to work?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, I, I genuinely, especially Peggy, because um, I, I spent about half an hour flying around the living room the other night in the air, you know, like spider pigs.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> making plane noises. Uh, and then when I put it down, she just looks at me like, what the fuck are you doing? You've lost your fucking head. That's it. So, why don't you fuck off out somewhere?
1: <laughs> if any if any pet could perfect that look, it would be Peggy. Like, I think she must have a, a withering stare.
0: Yeah, no, she's, she's, honestly, I've started calling her Hannibal Lecter, because she scares me. <laughs> she scares me on so many levels. <laughs> Sometimes when I sleep, I wake up and she's just watching me with that one beady little eye and I think, oh God, fuck me, what have I done?
1: <laughs> so anyone who doesn't know, Pete is a huge animal lover and he has two dogs. He has one little French bulldog called Eric and another which he adopted called Peggy. And Peggy was not in the best shape when he found her, was she?
0: She was all over the shop. She was um, quite badly abused and half her face was missing. She lost an eye. So yeah, she's constantly winking, but she's a beautiful little thing. you're nice to her because if you piss her off the chances are at some point she will try and kill you
1: (laughs) yeah sweet but savage
0: sweet but (laughs) yeah yeah exactly sweet but savage and eric's just like a big fat lump of loveliness he sort of looks like a loaf (laughs) he looks a little bit like a loaf of bread with legs
1: eric is the anti-peggy i think
0: yeah they're the complete polar opposites polar opposites peggy is um a lovely delightful bitch and uh Eric is just a real nice guy.
1: I feel like this might be how people describe me and Erkan. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> Actually that's a really good point. Yeah, Eric is Erkan, just a real nice guy. And uh yeah, Peggy's um yeah, she's a waste of space, much like Vicky Patterson.
1: <laughs> you love Peggy and Vicky Patterson, so I'm fucking gonna take that as a win.
0: <laughs> yeah, well listen, I'm a fixer, I like broken people. <laughs> scumbag. <laughs>
1: um well now since we've got talking about the doggies we may as well talk a little bit more about your love for animals in general because right people might look at you and i hate this this is, i get really agitated where people think you're just some sort of typical tattooed essex boy who's into his appearance just loves getting with birds like You've got so much substance to you, and I don't think you get enough credit for it, and I don't think enough people know. So not only is Pete like a huge animal lover, he doesn't just leave it there. He campaigns for animal rights. He very recently did an expose on fur farms in Finland. And I just want you to use this platform, Pete, to just to talk about what you're passionate about. So tell me all about the fur farms, please.
0: You know what? It's, it's, it's a bit of a mad thing, really. Um I started doing a lot of stuff with animals quite a few. I've always loved animals. I think most people do, to be honest with you. But actually when you hear about cruelty within the animal world, people don't really, they understand it happens and they understand that all these bad things are going on, but they don't really put themselves in a position where they understand any more about it. They just go, I don't want to see it. I don't want to know about it. It's terrible. It's terrible. By doing that, nothing changes so i wanted to go and experience some of this stuff myself so i could understand it a little bit better so i've been to korea uh, a couple of times to shut down dog meat farms and yeah i went to finland to do like an undercover raid on a fur farm (gasps) was it horrible listen i'm i'm a 31 year old fellow i'm not the most emotional person in the world and i'm afraid to admit i was in floods of tears the moment i got there it's the most horrific thing I've ever seen in my life. The noise, the sound, what actually goes on. Um, and you can see, I mean, generally, and this is the, probably the worst part, is people that have a passion for animal rights or um, try and change things have got a bit of a bad rep for all being nutty and... and, and
1: Self-righteous, vegan.
0: Yeah, patronizing vegan Bellings, you know that sort of shit um but actually in a way you start to understand why because if you have seen or 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 if you have experienced that the pure cruelty involved in it is heart-wrenching and i've recently just done a um uh, another video for hsi where myself and three other people in the public eye watched a video um about some of the torture and cruelty that goes on in a birth arm, um and it records our reactions to it so although people when you when you tell people that there's these videos they don't want to watch them and everyone goes oh, i can't watch that i can't watch that and they they turn away from the yeah. video um which is understandable well you know i don't want to watch that but if you don't watch it you don't fully understand and it just goes over your head and you think for a minute oh god that's terrible and you crack on me a day we're actually
1: and you can act like it's not happening as well
0: exactly you bury your head in the sand and then you act yeah. like it's not happening, and it's not relevant to me on a day to day basis, so i'm not going to worry too much about it, and just hope that everyone else deals with it um and actually, by doing that nothing nothing changes people need to see the horrors that are going on because I think people would would change their opinions and they would certainly stop wearing fur um you know they'd right. stop worrying about wearing that stupid fucking Canada goose if they knew what went into the making of it.
1: It's just crazy to me that in this day and age, people even still are wearing fur. It feels like such an outdated and barbaric practice. Like, you wouldn't think... I, can't, I do eat meat, so, like, do you know what I mean? I've, I've got to hold my hands up. I'm not exactly preaching an entire vegan lifestyle. But the fur thing, it's just unnecessarily cruel, and I can't understand anyone still doing it.
0: 100%. And even, even the meat thing, I was a massive meat eater my whole life up until I was, what, 28? And it was only through yes. going to the dog meat farms that I became pescatarian initially and then now vegetarian and I'm not fully vegan but I think and and then people will say well that's hypocritical and and, you know if if you really believe in all this then you shouldn't eat dairy and you shouldn't do this but and I probably will end up at that point but it's a it's about educating yourself and it's a slow process you know, It's a slow process yeah. and you're not asking everyone. I don't look down on people that eat meat or, or whatever else. It's, it's a slow process, but it's about educating yourself and, and slowly changing the way you look at the world. And I think more people need to start educating themselves. And I'm not saying you've got to go you know, completely vegan and not wear this and not do this overnight, but just start understanding what's actually happening in the world. And if more people did that, it would be a better place.
1: Yeah. You're suggesting people are... More or more conscious, not only conscious eaters, but also just more aware of what's going on around them and what these animals are being put through in order for us to have, if it's like Canada goose jackets or if it's like cheeseburger, or whatever.
0: hundred percent. And even things like what we've had um, with coronavirus and, and COVID, you know, there's loads of reports saying that that initially comes from the wet markets. And so now people know a little bit about wet markets and, and, and that's been going on for years and years and years. And it's only now that it's affected people's day-to-day life where they having to go uh. lockdown that suddenly they think, oh, them fucking wet markets are terrible. It's terrible what they do. It's been going on for fucking years. You didn't give a shit before you couldn't go and see your mates, did you? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 no,
1: that's it. Until it stopped you going to Ibiza this summer, nobody cared about the wet markets. And that's right. Oh, that's such a glaringly honest sort of, view of our society and it's quite scary actually
0: oh it it is and it's 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 like that kind of um i don't know what the word is it's it's, it's, it's that bubble that people live in That if it doesn't directly affect them then they know it goes on but they sort of go oh it's terrible anyway what's for dinner do you know
1: what i mean yeah so i get you do you know at the start of this, Pete, you were like, oh, my God, why have you got me on? I, I don't know how to say no to anything, blah, blah, blah. Well, actually, you've already found one thing you said no to. Like, you yourself loved eating meat. You are a big meat eater. And now you say no to it. So the secret to that for you was finding something you cared about more.
0: Yeah, it's finding something you care about 100%. But I think that's the secret to everything, isn't it? That's the secret to life. It's finding saying, you know, it's, I've not got the best reputation. If you, if you put it onto other things, I've not got the best reputation when it comes to winning. Um, I, I struggle saying no to that. But maybe it's because I've not found something that I care about more. You know, if I found someone that I genuinely cared about, maybe I wouldn't be a twat.
1: There it is. I think we have stumbled upon the secret of saying no without
0: even meaning no. Yeah, look at this. <laughs> Find something you care about more. Yeah.
1: Growth. I'm witnessing growth. You guys are hearing it with your ears, I'm seeing it with
0: my eyes. I've got a really weird tank top on, my hair's up in, I mean, basically my hair, we've been in lockdown, I'm not really seeing anyone, so, you know, why wash it? uh, That's kind of my... (laughs) So it sort of looks like, it looks like I've swum to this Zoom call. Um, it's so fucking greasy.
1: <laughs> but the annoying thing is, the annoying thing about you, Pete, is actually, so me and Pete, will go, we've known each other for years now and he is one of my favourite people in the world. We'll go out on a mad night out, me and him, and then we'll have work the next day. And I'll, I might not be working with him, but I'll see him. He'll get papped or he'll FaceTime us or he'll be with one of our agents and I'll see him. And he annoyingly, looks great like he looks like he had a solid eight hours the night before like just really well rested refreshed I on the other hand look like a tiny old little foot like you're so frustrating
0: (laughs) it's not that at all what it is is that when you get dressed up and glammed up you look unbelievable so when you've had a rough night you can tell I look like shit all the time. So actually, because because I've got this lived in face and everyone just assumes that I, I woke up in a wheelie bin anyway, when I actually have woke up in a wheelie bin, no one fucking notices.
1: <laughs> so you, this is all, your entire image is a deliberate ruse. It's your master plan.
0: Yeah, my entire image is always look like you've been on a solid night out and then people will go, God, don't you look great? Because they're so used to you seeing, seeing you look fucked. Does that make sense? <laughs>
1: It makes perfect sense, and that might just be my my session brain, but yeah, it makes sense. there's
0: nothing worse than if you've been on a night out and then someone goes, oh, you look shit, where if you've been on a night out, you always look (laughs) shit, doesn't matter whether you've been out or not, then people sometimes will go, oh, you actually look quite good, and you think, yeah, I know, I've had no sleep and I'm pissed still, but (laughs) yeah, I (laughs) know. And it makes you feel really good about yourself. (laughs)
1: oh you you criminal mastermind you evil genius you
0: listen down there for dancing up there for thinking
1: that's it that is it and up there for shit here um
0: (laughs) hey i'm ryan reynolds at Mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot
1: You are probably the only person in the industry who like matches me. I think there's me, you and Callum best in the in the top for how many reality TV shows we've actually done over the years. There's just the three of us. We're all we're all podium placing. There's no need to get jealous. <laughs> but you've done them all, haven't you?
0: Yeah, well, it's quite funny because me and you, we do like job swap.
1: <laughs> yeah, we always do. And this year in particular, you job swap with me and went on MasterChef.
0: I did, yeah. I...
1: How was that? Um, do
0: you know what? I, um, I love MasterChef. I love the show. So I was over the moon to, to have been asked to do it. Um, the One sort of glaring issue that I could see as soon as I got asked to do it, um, and I thought it could be a problem, is the fact that I can't fucking cook. Um, <laughs> I thought to myself, I mean, that could be a stumbling block. Um, and then, obviously, when, when when I told you about it, um, and then you put the pressure on me, because obviously you did so fantastically well, which we were all surprised about, by the way, Vic.
1: Um, <laughs> you and me both, mate.
0: <laughs> um. So yes, yeah, so I felt a bit of pressure, but I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I've come out of it. Can I cook? No, absolutely fucking not. I still can't. But, um, but, but I loved it. It was. It was. It was honestly a really, really fun thing to do, and it does ignite a passion for food. And everything oh, I cooked slick. was vegetarian. Really. Yep.
1: That's that's a really bold move because John and Greg are both big meat eaters. So hats off to you for your your bravery there, son. Yeah, I
0: mean they fucking hated me, but um, you know, <laughs> listen, who doesn't love a bit of veg?
1: <laughs> um, I right, be honest with us here because I loved the I loved the show, but I found it one of and everything I've done like done the hunted, done the jungle twice, bloody.
0: Yeah, all right, we're we'll getting. Um, We've done a lot of things. Fucking hell. <laughs> How long is this podcast? We don't need a, this. isn't a fucking job interview. We don't need to hear your old CV.
1: <laughs> right, fine, okay. And everyone knows me credentials anyway. That's why they're fucking listening to this podcast, Pete. But um, out of everything I've done, right, that was the scariest one. The scariest one.
0: Do you know what? And like you'll know, it's fucking intense, isn't it? like e, honestly you know me like I, I'm I'm pretty chilled about most things and i just get on with it and, and I thought oh listen fucking what happens happens when you have to take yeah. your plate of food up to John and Greg oh, oh fuck me honestly you're arsehole <laughs> it um, <laughs> it is it is you do you get nervous and even I was sweating and I was thinking I really want them to like it I really want them knowing that I've served up dog shit but I really want you to like it I really want you to like it <laughs> <laughs>
1: Honestly, like it's the only set as well that I've ever walked on that is bigger in real life than it looks on the telly. Do you know what I mean by that? So, you, you walk onto this morning and you're like, Jesus Christ, like I'm practically sitting on Scorp's knee. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so small. But you walk into the MasterChef kitchen and it is a cavernous hole of anxiety and stress. It's massive, massive. And it just adds to it all. Adds to the
0: pressure. 100% add to it all. And then John and Greg are, um, I watch them and I love them and I think they're great and I always think, oh, they seem really friendly. They're not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm only joking. They are, but then when you're, when you're actually a competitor, it's um, and they sit there and they taste your food and they still go, mmm. you just want to go, so what's fucking wrong with it then? <laughs>
1: Stop and tell me if you like it. <laughs> I,
0: I'm in a blast case of emotion now.
1: <laughs> I, I feel you so much. Even just talking about this, like, even trying to relive these moments, I've got sweat behind me knees, no word of a lie. Like, I've got nervous just thinking about their, their opinions and their reactions. Like, they go from being, like, just these two fellas off the telly who know their stuff and you respect them to the most important people in your lives when you're filming that show, like their opinion means everything to you. And it's so sad, but it's so if you're like me and you, and we are such tighty competitive personalities, it is so it's so pathetic, but they meant so much to me. I would have done anything to get them to like me
0: food. And do you know what the worst part the worst part for me is when you're cooking, they come over for a little chat and you've got in your head, you've got in your head what your recipe is and you're doing your business and you're going through your steps and then one of them goes, oh, what are you doing there then? And you tell them and they go, oh, and you just want to go, well, hold on. What, what, what does that mean? What, it's wrong. What am I doing it wrong? Is that wrong? I don't, I don't, I don't. Well, tell me, don't go away. Where are you going? Tell me. And then, you, back. and then your whole recipe, you start thinking, oh no, I fucked it now. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, what the fuck's happened?
1: and it's so cleverly contrived isn't it like that's their shtick like greg comes over and plays it like the east end fruit and veg man like a very chirpy very kind he's good cop but then john Thoreau just lingers and stares looking at your red wine jus just a little bit longer than he should and he's like how have you chosen to do that and when you tell him you like he goes ah huh, interesting and you think You don't you don't really think that's interesting, John. That's code. You think that's wrong. Come back, John. Don't go and help Greg bad. He's a fucking Olympian. Come back here. Help me. I'm small.
0: He's an Olympian.
1: (laughs) And he's good at everything.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true, actually. It's so true. (laughs) Nerve wracking. But what can you do?
1: Oh, well, I'm proud that you've got outside of your comfort zone, tried something different and fell in love with food a little bit. You'll end up like me with a great big fat ass, Pete, I wish I'd never bloody learned.
0: <laughs> no, to be fair, all I do is watch you. I mean, obviously, lockdown for you um, has been an absolute delight, hasn't it? Because all you've done is make fucking all sorts of divine dishes of whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> Poor old Urquhans going to come out of this looking like a right fat fuck.
1: it's all part of my clever plan like everybody knows I'm seriously punching with a can and he's so much younger than me but if I get him good and tubby then no one else is going to want him
0: Ah! oh is that (laughs) the plan? I see what you're doing I see what you're doing smart smart destroy him evil
1: genius (laughs) (laughs) Um, you are probably most known among other things for being in TOWIE and for being your pal for years I know you've got a bit of a love-hate relationship with the ITV staple
0: yeah, I mean, people don't understand that um, as much as... P- people look at TOWIE and people look at lot reality shows like they're scripted. Um, and they're not. They're not scripted. It's constructed reality, so it is your okay. real life. So you're opening people up to, to part of you. Does that make sense? Yeah. What it obviously does to you.
1: No, it totally does.
0: When you yeah. do that, you're allowing people to form an opinion based on a tiny percentage of your life, a tiny percentage of the life that you yeah. see when you make mistakes, yeah. when you make the right decision. It's, it's a very, um, it's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster of emotions because normally in your day-to-day <laughs> life and everyone else, we, we're exactly the same as everyone else and, and we have the same problems and we deal with the same sort of stuff, but you don't have half of the country telling you you're a bellend when you know you've been a bellend. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, of course it does. I mean, you're preaching to one of the original reality TV bellends here, Pete. I mean, I mean, yeah, this resonates with me on so many levels. It's so hard, like, when you are in, a, in that situation because everything's amplified. Like, everything is, it's just like a pressure cooker. And I think some things get taken out of context. I think some things, like... Get blown out of proportion, and I also think as well, like when the cameras are on, even if you have the very best intentions before they start rolling, when they come on, you can't help but be a bit of a caricature of yourself. Like I lost myself totally to Geordie Shaw, but I think you've managed to keep, especially in the later years, a, a real strong semblance of yourself on. And I think
0: that's really important to do because I think everyone, and I went through a stage as well when when you first go into doing reality TV. You just you are sort of yourself. You just go in like, let's see what happens. Then when shit, it's the fact it happens, and everyone mm. as a puppet, you start thinking, well, fuck me, I can't do that, I can't do this because this might happen, or people might say this, or people might say this, and then that's why. Yeah. And it's it's probably what aggravates me most now about a lot of people within the industry, like reality TV, is none of them are themselves, and that's through fear oh. of what people will say, and actually. Like you say, over the last couple of years, you start to realize, fuck it, be yourself, but be yourself in regards to be the person that you're happy for people to see a part of your life. I don't give everything away. I wouldn't give everything away. And there's still parts of my life and and part of me that is for me. And it's for the people that know me. And the people that know me, their opinion matters. The people that don't know me, Donna in fucking Scunthorpe, you know, if she thinks I'm a wanker, then Donna can go fuck herself. Because as long as I know, <laughs> it's true. As long as as long as I know, I'm not a bad person, and the people that know me know that I'm not a bad person. Then, one week you're going to be everyone's hero, and the next week you're going to be everyone's fucking zero. It's yeah. it, that's the way it is, and you have to you have to deal with the fact that that is going to happen at some point. No one's going to go through this industry being top of the pops the whole time.
1: It's the nature of the beast, especially with reality TV. And I can't speak for any other cultures, but in particular in Britain, we have a a thing called the poppy effect, and it's a legitimate thing. Um, The press, the public, they like to to build up – people in reality tv or in the in the industry whatever Um, and when they get to a certain height when they're loved when they're on a high they like to cut them down to size um and so it's just basic physics what goes up must come down so like you say you will be riding a wave of being this like the funny one the popular one the one everyone can relate to the nice guy and then all of a sudden in one fell swoop it can it can all be taken away from you and i do believe like. You have to experience the highs and lows of, of life in general. So reality TV is no different, but it hits a little bit harder when there's a couple million people watching your lows, doesn't it, right?
0: And I think you, you have to be quite a thick-skinned, strong person because it's like anything. If, if, if you have a million people telling you you're a rancor, at some point you might start to believe that. Um, And I think that's the problem is is sometimes you can start to believe what people are saying about you. But but that's when you have to have the strength of character to remember, actually, no, I know me better than anyone does. And I know that I'm not a wanker. So regardless of whether a million people are telling me that I am, believe in yourself.
1: (laughs) That's it. I remember when I was. This was years ago now doing Jodie Show, but I like I got myself into a really terrible situation and we won't go into it too much. Like, but it, it was it was bad and I did something stupid and everyone hated me. Everyone hated me. And to a certain extent, some of us you know, still do. You need to stop fighting this. You fucking love me.
0: <laughs> like, how could you not? I'm adorable? Have <laughs> that microphone bigger than your heads, which is really off-putting.
1: I have a small head. You can relate. Your head is tiny. You're like eighty-five percent air.
0: Fuck <laughs> off.
1: <laughs> but yeah, like, I did some really bad, and loads of people understandably hating me after. But it's like you say, like for well, long enough, I was told, "Oh, you're a monster. You're a disgrace. You're this, you're that." I actually. believed it of myself. I didn't believe I deserved anything good, any nice relationships. I believed I was the scumbag that everyone was telling me I was. Did you ever have that moment where everything – you just – you faltered and you lost faith in yourself and you believed you were what everybody told you you were?
0: Yeah, 100%. A couple of years ago, it was the same thing for me. And you start to really doubt yourself as a person. You start to doubt what you're doing. You you start thinking – Everyone else is right. And I think it's really easy for, for, for you to do that. And I think that's probably why so many people, especially now, I mean, we're a bit older. If you come into into this quite young and having not had an awful lot of life experience, then you grow up really fucking quick. You grow up real quick um, because you, you don't get the opportunity to to go through your ups and downs on a small scale, everything is amplified, like you say, and everything becomes an issue. It doesn't matter what you do. You say one wrong thing that you would do in your everyday life if you weren't in the public eye, and no one really batters an eyelid. They go, oh, you shouldn't do that. You say one wrong thing when you are in the public eye, you've got a million people telling you, you know, I mean, not even just like a, a, a little bit of abuse, you know, go kill yourself, I hope this happens, I hope that, and suddenly you're what the fuck? It becomes a real serious mad, life-changing thing. And it do, it is a life-changing oh, yeah. thing. When you go through the shit stuff, it does become life-changing because it changes you as a person 100%.
1: I don't think for one single second anybody listening to my podcast is a troll or anybody listening to us now is the type of person who would, would write horrible things on social media or anything like that. But, I hope anybody who might, it might have crossed their mind to do something like that in the past is listening to this and I'll just urge them to just constantly be kind. Because every TV show you're watching, every sort of reality TV show you're into, the people who you're watching, they are real and they might make silly mistakes, but so does everybody. Yeah, who doesn't? So let's not judge them on, yeah, exactly. Don't judge them on one little thing, like give everybody a chance (laughs) and always, always practice kindness.
0: A hundred percent. Great message there, Vic. Great message.
1: <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> right, I'm going to use this moment because you're taking the piss to go for another wee wee. So I'll leave my headphones here so you can't hear it this time, okay?
0: That'd be great, yeah, because no one wants to hear you having pissed. Uh, uh, it was like my eyebrow uh, last time.
1: Well, on that note, guys, I think we should probably wrap up part one. Um, in part two, Pete Wicks will be back talking all things the secret to learning to say no. So see you soon.